Hey everyone, welcome to This Lesbian Ship is Intense. I'm Katie. And I'm V. And we are back, baby. We have not gone away or disappeared. Sorry for a brief hiatus. Uh, but we, we're going to talk about A League of Their Own again. And I'm excited to do it. I know. I was thinking about how when we were going to record, if I was going to be like, sorry, guys, it was my anniversary and I took a trip. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Listen, okay. Between sickness, between work, and then V having her anniversary, it just wasn't happening for us. And we support happy, healthy marriages on this podcast. So, <laughs> you know, podcasts had to play second fiddle for a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> She was like, oh, maybe I could squeeze. I was like, no, 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 no. Enjoy your anniversary. We will we will deal with it when you get back. That is true. I was just like, well, I should be getting back on this day. And you're like, uh, we'll just talk later. <laughs> so sorry, folks. That's just how it had to be. We don't like doing this, but this is more true to who we are. You're getting our authentic selves by us taking some time here. Oh, my God. I know. I thought that, too. I was like, people who've been with us for a while are just like, ah, there's the Katie and V I know. Um, and those of you who are with us for only first kill are probably like, what the fuck is up with these people? Where are they? <laughs> this is why I want us so badly to find a show that we want to cover that releases week by week because yes. it will be so much easier for us to podcast. Yes. Binge shows. We don't get like um, screeners or anything. We're not that type <laughs> of podcast. So binge shows are really hard to podcast for to begin with yeah and then if we get too far after the release it's like well <laughs> we'll just do it when we do it exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely oh man we're just gonna like turn into like a, a platform that just like starts advocating nonstop on our twitter get rid of the binge model like i feel like every episode that's what we bitch about but it's like i really don't like it but anyways <laughs> I know. And I think it helps with, like, shipping to have week-by-week um, episodes. Like, that's what the NCIS Hawaii does, you know, because it's an mm -hmm. actual network television show. And it's a procedural. And I'm, like, really enjoying it again. Like, <laughs> to be able to just have, you know, there's, like, hiatuses and stuff. But just to have, like, a week where you're like, ah, it's my TV show day. Like, yes. that is a good feeling. Yeah, I was watching some kind of like sitcom or something and it really got me thinking about like television shows in general and like, you know, like how television like got introduced and how it became like a staple of like, I think families and like routines and things of that nature. And I just got I got really in my thoughts around television. And I was like, God, I miss like having something to come home and look forward to to watch like it's Thursday night this is my show you know and like oh god am I going to choose to have a social life or am I going to come home and watch the episode when it airs live you know like it's <laughs> that excitement I know and we started podcasting with a show like that with the bold type mm -hmm. so I think that's part of why we miss it and also like now that I've been doing that with NCIS, NCIS Hawaii I'm like I feel like such a um, there's like a comfort in that, mm -hmm. you know, in that type of show, because those are the type of shows like I used to watch with my mom growing up. Like she, yeah. I watched the original NCIS as a child and I'm <laughs> a full grown adult, you know, like that's how long this shit has been oh on our God. television. And so like, I'm watching it for the gay. I'm sure she was watching it for whatever <laughs> old guy that she loved at the time. But, um, you know, 
it's it's a change of the times. I feel like there's something there that makes me feel really nostalgic. And also it makes me think like positively about my mom every week. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, mm, let oh, me sit oh. down with my gaze, you know? <laughs> so except they're on a fucking hiatus. These bitches that got me into them, got me into them right before one of the actresses had oh, to leave. No. <laughs> She's like off for several episodes for another gig and i was like you guys couldn't get me into it after she came back yeah (laughs) oh it's just gonna make your heart grow fonder katie just uh you know but the thing about these shows is they can go on for seasons so i'm like you know what i'm just gonna ride this wave Mm -hmm. if we can have multiple seasons i can just i can just move on you know yes yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) when when your representation isn't on the chopping block constantly (laughs) there's this sense of relaxation (laughs) Oh my god, speaking of which, I'm getting really fucking annoyed that every single show that we watch is on the chopping block before it even comes out, it feels like, at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. I know, I'm still, like, I'm still, like, where the fuck is my A League of Their Own Renewal? Like, and I just finished watching Four More Shots, Please, which they, I'm pretty certain, already have a guaranteed fourth season. So I'm excited that I don't have to worry about that. Um, ooh, and I might, I was like, I need to talk about that at some place because I'm really happy with, with the way that last season went. Um, and then I'm going to watch Sex Lives of College Girls. That just released. But I finally caved and started watching Warrior Nun because it's all over my fucking timeline. Seems like season two released recently. And I think I'm seeing like the advocating for a season three already. Um, so is that is that one of the ones that's on the chopping block? Yes, it's like there's been zero effort behind Netflix for the second season of Warrior Nun, which to me, I just don't fucking understand. You've already put your money into this show. Why don't you try to make it successful? <laughs> like, why don't you put just a little ounce of effort beyond your stupid fucking algorithm out for some of this stuff and it's like a great show it's got a terrific female lead that's in a big public pr relationship right now push that shit out she's dating chris evans that's That's been amongst all the gossip um superhero dudes right captain america yes there you go (laughs) oh my god wow okay jesus isn't that so random that's but yeah like let's get it cooking you know netflix networks back in my day used to be smart about this type of thing and tried to make their shit successful oh man i just feel like we should save like an audio clip of like bitching at netflix and just you know we could just plug it in my every God. fucking time apparently you know it's fucking exhausting having to to like advocate for tv shows like mm. bitch that's not our job yes Like, we should not have to advocate for shows to get renewed like this when we're watching them and talking about them. Like, and there's obviously a lot of interest and high Mm -hmm. volume of people engaging. Like, all of the shows that are getting canceled have been in the top, like, 10 globally for Netflix. So it's like, what is your standard? (laughs) Like, what exactly do you want here? Uh, Ridiculousness. They just want the impossible i want to enjoy my tv and not have to fucking fight for it all the time yeah i know (laughs) it's like i'm too tired to have this fucking fight exactly and that's why we're just releasing a league of their episodes (laughs) at a snail pace because 
we're tired of fighting and we also have lives um and we are just trying to enjoy shit again and so that's what we're doing yeah and it is it's a lot of fun whenever i sit down and rewatch an episode to take notes i'm just like oh god this is so much fun um and then as long as i don't think about that too hard i can keep at bay the frustrations of the lack of a renewal and just enjoy what i have right now <laughs> Oh, that's tough I, like I feel fine about it because I really try to block out a lot of it the angstiness over mm-hmm. things getting renewed during my day and just like enjoy stuff um for good mental health <laughs> and um but anytime I sit down to watch I'm just like why the fuck hasn't this show been <laughs> renewed yet like anytime we come to podcast I'm like this is fucking bullshit like it just all comes up Oh, it's so funny. For me, it's more when I see a tweet on Twitter about a league of their own or like a like a GIF or an image. I'm just like, oh, I'm like, where's the renewal? And then I get angry again. <laughs> so still no word. I can't believe we're taking as long as we have and Amazon is still taking longer. Like those yeah. fucking assholes. <laughs> um, before before we get into um this episode, I did want to bring up a uh topic of conversation that one of our listeners um, brought to our attention and I'm not going to say their name because I don't know if they want us to or not so um, they brought to our attention that in many ways they think that the character of Shirley can be a poor representation of Jewish people specifically um, highlighting some of their behaviors that could be viewed as like stereotypical they did mention that, you know, Shirley as a Jewish character in the middle of World War II doesn't talk about or have any feelings about the war that's easy to see, at least on the show. They did mention that they thought it was interesting that Shirley is the only character that is openly homophobic on the show and that mm-hmm. she's Jewish. You know, they did mention that the actress herself is jewish and a lot of the creative team on the show is jewish so they don't really they weren't they i i really appreciated how they brought it to our attention because they weren't really trying to tear the show down Mm -hmm. about um the character of shirley but they did have their own personal feelings about how she was portrayed and how you know some of the humor feels icky sometimes to them um and i want to say thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that with us because it can be difficult to share an opinion when some you feel like you're in the minority sometimes and we always tell people to talk to us about stuff like that so uh we would be hypocrites if we didn't acknowledge that yeah well I think that I really appreciated it especially because so I mean I think I've talked about this I grew up in a really small town primarily um, Mexican Latino I didn't have a lot of exposure to people who were different religions so like everyone back home was Catholic Um, so I don't I don't know much about Judaism. I don't know about the stereotypes even for Jewish people. And I know that there are a lot of like um, stereotypes that um, are used in media um, and that I've learned of since I've grown older. And so some of the concerns, like I, is there a history with like homophobia and, and Jew, Jewish people? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about the homophobia and Judaism thing. I th- I read that as more of acknowledging that there are probably Christian characters on the show and 
typically in the U.S., Christianity is much more outwardly homophobic towards mm-hmm. um, gay people than uh, you ever hear about Judaism in this country, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and so I think that might have been kind of their feelings towards that. But, you know, it's tough for me because I do see that Shirley does embody some stereotypical Jewish qualities. Mm-hmm. But... I think there's a lot of elements to this because the actress is Jewish. One of the creators of the show is Jewish and like Abby probably created a show that had like the most Jewish representation among pop culture in the past like 10 years. Like, mm-hmm. if you really think about it, um, and prominent Jewish characters on television, like Broad City had two women at the f- forefront. So, I would like to think that there was some intentionality into Mm -hmm. how they played the character. And I also think you have to recognize, like, Kate Berlant is a big comedian right now in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I think they were probably letting the actress play with it. Like, I would guess that probably any scene with Kate Berlant and Abby Jacobson (laughs) was like, not what was written on the page like yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they really played with that you know and so I feel like if it's something like the actress really dug into like it was meant to be done with care like mm-hmm. I, I that it's hard because stereotypes like there's a lot of lesbian stereotypes in the show yeah. that they like really honor so mm-hmm. I I I like to think that's what the intention was with Shirley yeah. Well, I think it just speaks to the whole thing is that when there's limited representation on television, um, that we can't all find something that we're going to feel 100% satisfied with. You know what I mean? Like when right. it's like how many Jewish women characters are on television in a significant role and then how are they portrayed? And so when you have such little representation, um, the things that would be like, oh, that's not my cup of tea. It's just, I think, even more you know frustrating or sad or anything like that. A hundred percent. And I also think that I could see why the homophobia thing would really be hard on a show like this where, like, most of the characters are gay and there's Mm -hmm. a level of, like, comfort in a way that you wouldn't expect in that time period. And so for your single representation Mm -hmm. to be, you know, homophobic, I could see why that personally would hurt. But I also think it was so beautifully done in a way that maybe even honors Judaism because the whole storyline is essentially like Shirley is afraid of what she doesn't know. And mm-hmm. when she understood it, she was like, oh, it's fine. You know, and I don't think you could ever see a Christian character do that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there's a level of difference there. And I... um I really think the show does such a beautiful job of exploring Shirley's like fear. And I really honestly appreciated the storyline a lot about her homophobia and how she came around to that. So I don't have a problem with it, but again, it's not my representation, but I liked her journey of acceptance and thought it was really well done on the show. 
yeah, I, I think that, I mean, I did really enjoy it. Um, but again, I don't know a lot. So uh, I would love to hear from anyone else who has thoughts regarding that. I will say that uh, this person pointing out that Shirley didn't mention, like, there's no mention about the fact that, like, the Holocaust is happening. Uh, I do feel is, like, an oversight, which I'm like, it blows my mind that I didn't even think about the fact that Shirley didn't even say anything about it. And I think I just kind of chalked it up to, unfortunately, I chalked it up to this being a show about women's baseball and I didn't think too much about the context of the time even though I know that they're in that time so like I wasn't thinking too much about like the actual historical time frame and so the lack of her talking about the holocaust wasn't noted by me but then once she's they said that in the dms I was like oh my god you're right it's fucking world war ii how is it that surely hasn't said shit (laughs) I know that is the thing I was like that is a hundred percent a valid criticism because um you hear a lot of the women talk about their husbands being off at war and you know they really have a lot of weight at that and Clance is the only character that even mentions Hitler in the show and it's definitely not Shirley Shirley doesn't even really acknowledge that I think one could maybe be maybe say that her extreme fear that she has towards a lot of things that she doesn't know or that might seem like minor Mm -hmm. could be in correlation to what's going on um globally yeah but that is something that you have to read into it's not clear so Mm -hmm. um i really do think that if they we get a season two surely should definitely have a little bit more um cultural reference to what's going on yeah absolutely and so just to to wrap up and say, I hope that um, you keep sharing with us and uh, kind of discussing this further. I think your opinions are 100% valid, though, all of them. Like, I totally get why you could see that. And um, I hope you find other things in the show that you love and enjoy. And hopefully with time, the show will get to address some of your critiques and showcase Shirley in a light that feels good to all um which is really ironic because Shirley is fucking hysterical in this episode to me um at one specific point I just love her so um <laughs> I was like don't lie not at one specific point you love her constantly <laughs> I love her constantly but there is one part where I almost fell off my couch laughing <laughs> um so without further ado let jump into the episode episode four called switch hitter written by michelle badillo coincidentally she wrote on the bold type and one day at a time i was just i was like i know her fucking name who the fuck is this (laughs) yes 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 she wrote on the bold type season two um controversial season (laughs) but she did write a very funny good episode of the bold type and she wrote some of the better episodes on one day at a time i think so um and this coincidentally is my one of my favorite i'll leave their own episodes and it's like one of the first episodes where i fully got this show and everything i wanted from it so credit to her (laughs) and um it's directed by Ayoka Chinzira. 
So we started the episode with a Profiles in Patriotism commercial. While their men fight fascism, they hit home runs. And they always have time for their true feminine passions. Um, And it was a really fun bit where they're just like goofing around, essentially playing up the whole, we're dainty housewives who also play baseball and we're not masculine or gay at all. (laughs) I know. I was like, what did they have to do to get them into this commercial? Because it was real hard to get them into skirts. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Abby popping into Greta's room asking if she wants to meet her at the library which is like wow you're really you're really covering your tracks there um and i said abby and not carson (laughs) i didn't even clock it either (laughs) so once carson pops into the room we have jess and greta doing their nails together which is just like the cutest thing ever yeah um And we have a nice little montage going on where we have some baseball and some making out with Greta and Carson. They're like flirting at the games and having a real good time. I just thought it was fucking hilarious because like Carson does have no like she's so fucking obvious. But then like Greta's like, oh, we're painting our nails. But then like two seconds later is like, oh, I suddenly have to go to the store. And I'm like, you're not playing it cool either, Greta. (laughs) just because you have an air of confidence to you does Mm -hmm. not mean that that you're subtle because (laughs) she did not waste any time going to the store and then um and and one of their makeouts we start to recognize the time that we're in so they hear a noise and greta asks if other people know about this place and and emphasizes that they can't go to places that other people know about mm-hmm. and then i really liked the time when they heard a noise and they uh were like in the woods and carson's like damn we can't even have the woods now like where can we go okay so do you watch brooklyn Nine Nine? because all i could think about in this scene where carson like they're in the woods and she keeps trying to go and she like can't like articulate it all i could hear is just like i just want a bone like i was just thinking about the word bone like in that episode with um <laughs> the um chief whatever the fuck yeah is. i watched it back uh years ago so i know exactly what you're talking about but i don't remember his name either so like- um that's all I could think about. And then, like, okay, I'm curious how you feel about this. So, like, when they end up going home and um, Greta asks Carson to go up because she likes to watch. Uh-huh. <laughs> how do you, how do you, how do you feel about that? <laughs> what do you mean about how I feel about that? <laughs> do you think like... it's an attractive thing for someone to say? <laughs> um, I thought it was definitely intense in the show (laughs) like it made me like pause like oh wow um but i don't know necessarily (laughs) yeah yeah i'm sorry if it is an attractive thing to say in the show did i think it worked and elevate the tension yes yeah 
but I don't generally know. No. So I was like, I watched that scene and I was just like, I was like, oh my God, that makes me so uncomfortable because it's like, it's, it's so intense. Like it's, it's so sexual to me. Like, I don't know. Yes. So much for me, even though it was just a statement. And I was like, if my best friend were here, she'd be like, yeah, that's hot. Like she would have loved it. (laughs) No, it is definitely one of those things where it was just like, Wow. Okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Especially because I like Carson was like having a difficult time telling Greta that she wants to have sex like out yeah. loud. She was like heavily <laughs> hinting and Greta's just like cheesing. Like she is just smiling from ear to ear and then she's like says that statement after you're just like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like it, it's definitely a moment where uh, it stands out. Also, I did really love in the montage baseball stuff mm-hmm. during this when, when May- Maybell's like, we're not the worst team. Like, <laughs> they find out that they're not in last place. I love that. Yeah. Oh, Maybell. I love her so much. Um, and then... We go to Max and Clance, and Max is looking at her first check and wondering what to do with $25, which is five times what Clance makes. So I can barely fathom Max making $25 and then to to think that Clance makes five fucking dollars. Yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, I'm so, and I'm also curious, like, I wonder what men got doing that work, because, like, women had to be getting paid less, so it's just, like, I'm just, oh, I'm just thinking about, like, how money functions, I mean, still to this day, like, men get paid more than women, you know, statistically, right? Um, so I just, like, couldn't believe that she could be making five times what Clance is making, um, but I do appreciate <laughs> For our perspective, we're trying to have a national minimum wage of $50 <laughs> an hour yeah okay and that is even behind the times for now so like when you think about it this way they were making nothing yeah oh yeah oh my god um i i I did appreciate when um clance i think kind of like makes a comment about like you have money like with tony and max says like but it's different getting your own money and i don't know i just really appreciated that because it is it is different when you earn your own money it's um different and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god, you start like thinking about things and like I remember when I first started working, I started thinking about things in terms of like how many hours would it take me to to earn that? And I'm like, do I really need to eat out every day? No, I really don't. I really don't. Or the dollar menu's where it's at. <laughs> uh and um Max goes home and says that she wants eggs but but tony um says that um she only takes orders from paying customers and max drops money on the table but tony says save it for when they fire everyone when the men return so clearly we're having some tension between tony and max after their uh little confrontation at the end of last episode Oh, my God. I thought it was so rude of Max to pull out that money and be like, 
make me what I'm asking for, woman. I'm paying. Like, I just thought it was so rude. And then, like, when Tony says that, I'm just like, I'm like, oh, my God. Why do you have to say that? Like, it's true. It's true. Honest to be said. Like, I, know. I don't need you to be that real with me right now when I got my $25 paycheck. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things like Max is standing up to Tony for the first time. And I don't think many people stand up to Tony, to be fair. Oh, yeah. Um Things seem to go her way for the most part. And I think that can be challenging. And so I think that's why Max comes across so like harsh with some of it. But it's not like Tony's going easy on Max either. <laughs> I mean, so... it's, she's her mother's daughter. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then on the flip side, we have Clance walking into Guy who's just like so depressed in bed, reading the newspaper, only focusing on bad things. And he's trying to find something good in the newspaper. And Clance mm-hmm. is like flipping through. And all she finds is like, oh bad that's a tornado oh mine <laughs> collapsing and i was like girl relatable <laughs> i know the um, amount of times i go on a social media for an escape and i'm like oh it's fire here too okay never mind <laughs> twitter could be going down any minute like as we speak twitter could go down oh god um and then she tries to encourage guy by bringing up speed jackson um, because he's a soldier like he is, he's strong and fast, and he's gonna KO Nazis just like he will. It took me forever to figure out what she was saying there when she said KO. Um, and and guy says, I'm not like Speed Jackson, he's not afraid of anything. And man, when that hit me like a a slap in the chest when he says that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I really enjoy their interactions together with everything and I appreciate his ability to be honest about the fact that he's scared you know like it's okay to be scared with this big thing happening and I think that part of his fear is not only of what's going to happen while he's there but what's going to happen to Clance while he's gone and so Clance starts addressing the whole fact that they're hiring at the screw factory and i really appreciate it with the way that conversation went because guy did try to shut it down you know like be the man of the house not have his wife work in that um type of you know do that type of labor um and the way that clance was like she didn't argue but she was firm you know it just really made me feel like she was asserting her own authority in in a way and i just i don't know i i enjoyed their interactions same there there's so many levels to the scenes between them so we're we're like addressing both characters giving them both development giving them a source of tension in their story and also um like emphasizing how much they love each other and i just see that this is why i love the show like all of the characters even guy mm-hmm. gets like depth to his story and weight to his actions and i feel like it's it's really understated and underappreciated about a league of their own Mm -hmm. um because you're rooting for guy like you really are and you don't like to see him like this it's very upsetting um and so i thought their dynamic worked really well when guy doesn't want her to do it clearly because he's it's also hard to acknowledge that he's leaving, you know, and that's part of it. But mm-hmm. Clance also knows what needs to be done. And she's going to be a good partner back to Guy and says, 
this is what we need to do. So this is what I'm going to do. Um, so I did really appreciate this scene in particular, but all of their scenes. And then we have a road trip. <laughs> we are going on an away game, which I I think I want to see more of because I really enjoyed this uh, this whole dynamic. And on the bus, Carson has no cards on her. She's been scouting all of her opponents, and she's going over them with Shirley. And Lupe peeps and says, hey, these are good. And Dove passes it on to Terry and um, wants the, the team to take advantage. And Lupe tries to use the moment to get to play again, but Dove still isn't quite there. And so there's some some tension there. Do you think that his concern is genuine this time where he tells her he doesn't want her to blow her arm out? I literally think it's because he doesn't care because he's leaving in this episode. Mm. Oh, so he pretended to act like he cared about her. But okay. I just like the when he said it, I was just like, oh, do you have the capacity to be caring? Um, I just want to believe that there's good in people. (laughs) I mean, I think it could be like I think it could be genuine care in some senses, but I I think like he didn't have to do too much coaching. He just handed the cards to Terry <laughs> and said, "Have at it," you know, because yeah. he knew he was going to be out of there, so he was just going for the ride, you know. Yeah. Um, and Carson takes this opportunity on their travels. To get with Sarge to change up the room assignments. <laughs> and um, after the rooms are assigned, you know, you could see that Shirley's a bit disappointed that she's not going to be with Carson. And then Carson starts laying some hints and says that Joe has a strong perfume and eventually gets the whole thing worked around so she can room with Greta mm-hmm. and make Shirley think it was all her idea. Um and there was this whole little bit where um, Carson's like, oh, I didn't even think of it. And and she was like, I thought so of it very obvious. quickly. <laughs> oh, God, God, it was so funny. And then when you just have the end of the scene, like Carson singing her heart out on the bus. Yeah. She's so happy. Oh, Lord. I, I do want to point out that we do see that this is where Shirley is already, I think, starting to suspect Joe um, as being uh-huh. queer when she's like all that aftershave. Um, and I just like I I think it's cute, but I'm also just like, hi, y'all's excitement, please, Carson and Greta, like be discreet. <laughs> and the way that we find out that they're staying at a nunnery <laughs> and it just like wasn't anything. I thought the second I saw that they were staying there i thought immediately this would be a sex obstacle we would have to overcome like the <laughs> the fear of like doing it but it wasn't it was just there and that made it hilarious you know yeah. what i mean oh like, it had me stressed i'm just like y'all need to be more scared <laughs> like the nun's gonna walk in and beat the shit out of you <laughs> I was just, it was quite funny to me how, like, they could not give two fucks. <laughs> um, so that was, that was a moment. And and when they're like, Carson can't keep it together. She's so happy. And they, Terry asks her why. And she's like, oh, I have, I've never been in a convent before. And I love God. I was yeah. just like, you love God for sure. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> 
And immediately when they get in the room, Carson like pounces on Greta. Um, but Greta stops her and, and Carson's like, why did you do that? And Greta says, because you stopped breathing. Okay, I laughed really hard at that because I'm like, um, relatable. Like you can get so into making out with someone. Like it's just like, what is breathing? <laughs> <laughs> and Greta is really sweet here and says, Look, we have all night and tomorrow. Let's go find snacks and just take a bee. <laughs> we'll be fine. And we take this opportunity to visit all of our roommates, which I love to get a little glimpse into the rest of the team. Um, and we have Joe and Jess bonding over boxers, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is really funny. And there was like a sweet moment, I thought, where um, Jess says she gets the she gets him for her brother. Yeah. And Joe's like, how many brothers do you got? <laughs> and I just found that really sweet when thinking about like the Hermanos and Lupe mm-hmm. and Jess and Joe and this like solid friendship among like more masculine lesbian characters on TV. Mm-hmm. And it's so comforting to me and so beautiful to watch and I can't even think of a time I've ever seen anything like it on television. Yeah, I definitely like the camaraderie between the more masculine women. Um, And I also just like some of the physical ways in which they act. So, like, I really just enjoyed something about the way that Jess, like, kicked off her pants and then offered the flask. Or Joe offers the flasks. Like, there's just something about the way that... They're moving. It just felt so comfortable to me I, I really don't know how to yes. explain it <laughs> I don't know either it's like it's like literally not even on the L word do you see shit like this mm-hmm. yeah and then we have Este and Lupe and Lupe doesn't understand I mean Esti doesn't understand why Lupe is in a bad mood and Lupe says if I don't play how am I useful to the team and so mm-hmm. clearly not playing and not playing not being able to play baseball is really weighing on Lupe's mind, which I think is very important to understand about her character moving forward. Yeah. And then we have Shirley talking to Maybell, and I just have love <laughs> Maybell's like, Joe's not queer. She's my roommate. We're talking <laughs> to, to Shirley. I think Shirley says, my mom says never trust a woman who loves a sandwich. But I really don't understand why a woman who loves a sandwich would equate. I really don't know, but I really I thought it was funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely laugh, but I was like, why? <laughs> I don't know, but I really want to adopt that as a sandwich <laughs> lover. You know, like, I think that's funny. Um and then I just loved how Maybell goes, you know, she does talk a lot about Catherine Hepburn in pants. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you could tell Michelle wrote this. She knows what's up. And we have Greta and Carson chatting over their snack together. And Carson finally asked the question why Greta went with a man after their first kiss. And Greta explains that after she's starting something new with someone, she always likes to make sure she's seen on a man's arm. And it's one of the rules she has to keep herself safe. 
I'm really glad that they like explicitly stated that because I think when I was watching I gathered that at some point on my own but hearing her stated explicitly for anyone who might miss it or to just kind of really reinforce that this is something important to Greta um, because of her history and in order to stay safe I, I just like the explicitness of this I really did I thought it was needed in some ways I think some subtleness is fine in developing a character but I think it's pretty core to who Greta's identity is as an independent like queer woman of this time Mm -hmm. like she has a plan to live her life this way and it takes a lot of intention and I'm glad that she says it out loud to Carson and it's not like Carson would really know you know of this time like she deserves to hear it too so I I really appreciated it. And Carson kind of starts to ask questions like, have you done this a lot? Were the other women that did this also married? And it's a very interesting conversation about queerness of the time, I think, and how people were forced to live. Um, but Carson says, I have this feeling that there's this line that if I cross it, I won't be able to go back. And Greta says, you will. When the season ends, you go back to Charlie and Joe and I are in California and we'll be so happy that we had this time. It made me emotional when Greta said that because for Carson, this is new. This is like a brand new experience. It's exciting. Um, She's with someone who has experiences. Um, But there's also that fear, you know, where she says like she's worried that there's going to be this like crossing of the line and she won't be able to go back. And Greta's response just screams, been there done that it always ends the same way um and whether that be i personally read it more like not that you go back for safety reasons but more so like about the emotional toll she can't get wholeheartedly invested because at the end of the day they can't be together in the same capacity as men and women can be and so she knows that it's going to it's always going to end with a woman going back to her husband. And so, I don't know, just it just it felt like she was just really trying to emotionally remove herself as much as possible. And I felt for yeah. her. I do feel like in a way it is a guard that she's put herself up to. It's not an easy thing to live life as free as Greta does in this time period. It takes probably a lot of work on her part. And I think she's had to develop this sense of like separation and being with married women of the time. So it is a protective thing for herself, but she doesn't necessarily say it in a way that's dismissive of Carson's feelings Mm -hmm. or that she would go back. Like it's, it's also very generous to Carson, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I feel like it's a very, it's like, Hey, if, when that does happen, that's okay. That's what happens. And I'm going to go live my life. You're going to live yours. And we'll always have this moment. It feels very um, kind. It feels very accepting. Yeah. And that's what's so interesting about it. And one of the things that makes me really love Greta as a character, I think. Um, And then we go to Clance who is chatting with Max and is very concerned about Guy because he's not even clipping his toenails. (laughs) And he usually loves that. 
Um, and Max trying to be helpful suggests a double date with her and Gary. And Clance goes, are you in that territory? And Max says, well, he's nice and doesn't think I'm weird. So, you know, that's a lot for, for Max. Oh, my God. And I'm just thinking, like, she also offers this, I think, for Guy without thinking about, not really thinking about the implications of what a double date means to everyone else around mm. her because it means so little to her. Exactly. Um, and, and I think that's why, unfortunately, she keeps getting carried into uh, situations that aren't the best for him um, because she simply doesn't put them on the same pedestal that everybody else does. Yeah. And then Clance is walking in to work at the factory with Max for the first time. And she's nervous. She doesn't know what to expect. But she sees Cheryl, who she thinks is an idiot. So that gives her confidence. And literally been there. I appreciated that. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't know how many times I tell myself, if XY person at my office has not been fired, I'm solid. I'm good. (laughs) Exactly. We all have that person. (laughs) As soon as they get there, Max finds out that Fox quit and um, got poached by some other company. So she has a shot at pitching and that immediately takes over. She runs off to go find the coach. Um, And (laughs) at, at first, when she goes, are people getting shot like at the factory? I can't afford that. Um, yeah. Are we then, losing limbs here? Like she, she's hilarious in this moment. This whole bit is so fucking money, and she's like waving to people. Like when they're when she's like when Max leaves her, and she's like, "This is my first day. What do we do?" <laughs> great, great to meet everyone. <laughs> she's so cute. The, del- the delivery here is impeccable. Um. And Max is harassing the coach, and um, he tells her, finally, that she can see him after practice on Thursday, and he will check her out. So Max is currently on a high and thinks she has a shot at the team. And we go over to the baseball game, and we have Greta scoring and some flirting going on between... Carson and Greta and Dove is being unusually nice. (laughs) And so that makes a uh, suspicion creep up for Carson because Mm -hmm. she knows that is not in his nature. And she sees him over chatting with the owner and he leaves. They win the game and they're they're celebrating, but they're wondering where Dove has gone because he left in the middle of a game. <laughs> yeah. It was just like play without me. <laughs> and uh, can I just say, like, I love how this is Dove's exit from the show. <laughs> like there's no big goodbye. It's just the the man that used them and ditched them for his own game and he's gone. And I just really love that. It's like the opposite of Dove is everything I wish Tom Hanks character was in the movie. <laughs> like it's so much better and I loved it. Well, um, I don't remember how Tom Hanks left. Um, but I think that this is a real like I feel like this is just real and authentic. Like I give such little care for you. I'm going to leave when it is best for me. And if that's in the middle of the game, bye. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> exactly. <don't> <laughs> a 
middle of an away game on the road. <laughs> Peace out. Yeah. Um, and so they're, the team and Sarge are trying to determine their new coach. And Shirley is like, there has to be a man somewhere. <laughs> I know Shirley's like, all right, well, we need a man to lead this. And Carson recommends Greta to be coach because she's a leader of the group. But Greta instead recommends Carson with Shirley backs and then Lupe nominates herself and Jess backs her. And they go head to head about who should be coach. And ultimately, Carson and Lupe are going to coach together. Mm-hmm. I did really laugh when uh, Esti was not supporting Lupe and Lupe was lying about what Esti was saying. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She seconds it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants me to be coached too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then back at the nunnery, Carson talks to Greta and says, you broke one of your rules tonight. You voted for me. But Greta says, the team comes first. And then Carson just goes for it. And Greta says, I like you confident, Shaw. And they have sex for the first time. They, they and- fucking show that, that Jesus on a cross, like, above the bed. I'm just like, no. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I really, I really like the song choice for the scene. I just love that it was like, sweet and fun and joyful and passionate like i just really liked the vibe that they went for see for i don't scene. remember the song i was too terrified about jesus on the cross watching i, I was, was like can you go into you the... out too much? <laughs> yes i was like can you go into the drawer <laughs> i need you to go away <laughs> i mean i i don't know like I'm not particularly religious at all, um, but I did grow up in a church, so I don't know, like, how I would feel about it. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I, 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 I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and we go to their second game, which is a night game. Carson and Lupe are chatting about their game plan, and the lights are bright, and no one can see. And... <laughs> I just loved this whole scene of them flubbering around um, in the in the dark. Um, Shirley's like, this is not good for me. <laughs> Joe and Esty can't see it. They can't find the ball. Even Bev is like, you ladies look drunk out there. It's a mess. Shirley, because she follows like stats so closely, says that the Comets have won every night game they've played, which starts instilling the seed of doubt about what's going on mm-hmm. and then Carson and Lupe recognize that they're turning the lights off and on for the different teams so they have they get the ump involved and the other team tries to justify them turning the lights off for the war yes <laughs> this is a war effort ma'am <laughs> Lupe is like, you're one light for the war. (laughs) And Carson is like, well, my husband is in the war. That's now. And if he was here, he would say, turn the lights on. Like, I just loved that whole bit. Oh, my God. See, like, that just, like, reminded me so much of, like, Abby. You know, like, the, like, 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 just, like, (laughs) war that is happening. um, And right now, (laughs) um, 
Yeah, I I just want to say earlier, someone had said, what would Dove do? And the response was, abandon us. And I died at that because I was like, <laughs> accuracy. Um, but I'm really, I'm really impressed. So I'm impressed that they, I mean, at first I was like, well, how did you not notice what they were doing earlier? But like, maybe it's hard to tell. So I'm glad that they figured it out. Um, but I was just like super proud of Lupe when she's like, all right, look, you want to use your power over me as a man? Let me pull out the rule book. This is not allowed. And I was like, yeah, girl, tell him. I liked it because it adds a level of competence to Lupe on why she should be coaching. Mm -hmm. We get kind of references on why Carson should earlier with the cards and her preparation. Um, And this is showing like Lupe does the same as well. And she is valuable in this position. They decide that if the other team plays dirty, they're going to play fucking filthy. And they are stealing some bases. And let me just say, for all of the sports gays that listen to this podcast, this is my favorite style of baseball. And um, (laughs) I really enjoyed the baseball elements of this episode as well. Because I think the sporting quality is important for a sporting TV show. (laughs) oh i'm the worst i only pay attention to football i i'm just like baseball whatever <laughs> sorry <laughs> I know. and i knew you would be but i just had to say it because as a general sports fan i just have like i i, I was reading a fic once that uh-huh. like was about like some basketball player or whatever and they weren't using the right terms oh no that would take me out <laughs> I couldn't do it. Yeah. I was like, I'm sure you're a great writer, but I simply (laughs) could not handle that. It just was too much for me. Um, And Lupe and Carson are working great together. They're on the same page of vengeance against the man. And um, they send their chaperone, the other team sends their chaperone over to chat about a gentleman's agreement. Mm -hmm. And even Sarge is like, well, maybe that's the problem, Deborah. We don't seem to have any gentlemen left. And I just really loved that moment. Made me giggle. Like, I was so happy. Um, Does someone say I like the confidence, Lou? to Lupe I think someone says that to her I don't know who probably Carson but it just reminded me about how earlier when Lupe was in the room with Esty and she was talking about how they're gonna like sack her she's not useful and she just like looks so happy she looks so helpful she looks so productive and it just really reminds me about like how for a lot of people our sense of self is tied to our sense of productivity and uh yeah I don't know just really happy for Lupe to show her skills That honestly is part of the mental struggle for, like, top athletes, I guess, like, professional athletes. Like, there's a lot of competition involved for your spot and a lot based on your individual performance in a way. It's like a performance expectation that the average person just, like, doesn't have. And I really like that they explore the psyche that, athletes have at times Mm -hmm. in the show in different ways and really in this episode with lupe with max like it's a it's a major feature in the show and i do like that and the team is on the bus back they're celebrating their win they're moving up in the table 
And Lupe says confidently, like, if we beat the Sox, we'll win this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So they're they're trying to work themselves up to be a championship team, and they're doing it amongst themselves, not with Dove. <laughs> They've been doing everything without that man. <laughs> I know. And then Carson goes to Greta in the back of the bus and says, thank you for believing in me. I don't think anyone's ever done that for me before. And we have the classic lesbian pinky hold. <laughs> uh, what's her ship name? I don't know. Neither do I. I know. Gre- it was like Cargill? Shaw. Gretzen? Gre- oh, that sounds, that sounds familiar. I think it might be Gretzen. Interesting. I really, I can't believe I don't even fucking, I yeah. literally didn't think about it until you said it. I think, who was your first, my first ship that did the pinky hold was Britanna. Britanna, yep. And I really didn't know that it was a big thing, but it's it's crossed many a paths in many of shows. Well, it's like when you can't fucking just make out with them, all you can do is get a pinky in. (laughs) (laughs) The lesbian love symbol is the pinky old. Um, And we have Max again envisioning herself pitching um in the the professional league and we have another player monty irvin up to bat and as she's pitching her dad comes out and says are you trying to start world war three um clearly tension is at a height in their house but her dad plays catcher for her and Says, you know, you've definitely got the heat. I don't think there's anything left I can teach you. They're having a cigar together. Like, it's really sweet to see this level of support from Max's dad, too. And to really see the bond between them that made Max be a professional player. And honestly, there's one one thing that was really sweet in the original A League of Their Own movie was... Um, there was like a moment between a father, like kind of a single father and his daughter and how he taught her to play baseball. And so I really loved that they brought that into the show a little bit with Max and her dad. I don't think that I have a lot of feelings about that because I have a lot of feelings about dads (laughs) in general (laughs) in a not great way. So um, I think for me, I just was really, I think I was just more curious about the interactions in the sense of like having max be masculine so like you know teaching her to play baseball which is a masculine thing of the time um and then when he says to her like all i have left to teach you is how to celebrate and the celebration he offers is cigars which feels very masculine as well Uh like i'm really curious if in the next season if because I can't remember if Tony already said this, but like, I wonder if she's going to view the father as indulging and establishing some behaviors that led Max to being gay. Like, I'm just curious about if that's going to be an element at any point. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and and now that you say that, it's really interesting that this scene happens right before Birdie shows up and Tony chases her away. So you have like Max's father really kind of indulging the side mm-hmm. of max that makes tony uncomfortable because of birdie you know what i mean it's not something i would catch on the first watch of the show but on rewatching it i think that's probably very intentional uh right there and um i really like it 
But I have, I mean, the reason I know my dad loves all sports. He watched all sports growing up. And that's how I bonded with my dad was talking about sports. Like I talk with my dad about sports. My sister talks with my dad about music. Like that's what just <laughs> what it is. So um, I think that's why I have a fondness towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do like that, that play with Max and Birdie there. <laughs> I'm not going to keep this in. I was like, but now I'm going to sit and think. So my dad played baseball and he taught me to play baseball. So I wonder, I wonder what feelings are happening there for me. (laughs) Maybe I will keep it. Who knows? (laughs) We have a double date night. We talk about Guy and Clance's first date and how he did his own homemade Guy's Cafe on his mama's porch and cooked for Clance and she fell in love with him on the spot. And if I don't think that is the cutest fucking thing ever. I thought it was so fucking hilarious. She was like, I thought this man was cheap trying to like cook me food. <laughs> but then I found out that he cooked so well. And she's like, yeah, my mama thought you were a loose woman with all those moans. Like, I just, it was the most adorable retelling of their, of their first date. And, um, Clance is reacting to Max and Gary at the table together. Mm-hmm. And Max is like, don't be embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah, it's like how you would react to a like a parent just be like, oh my god, don't say anything, just leave it alone. And guy shows um his his brains here and says, don't try to understand these two together. Just accept it and go with it. That's gonna make your life way better. Oh my god, when you said he showed his brains, I thought you were referencing the fact that this man spills all the fucking secrets. Oh. <laughs> You know, I I almost said showed his heart, um, which might be more true because his brains aren't there all the time. <laughs> you know, his heart is so fucking pure. He doesn't think about secrets properly. He's just like, you know, la la la, we can all talk freely. <laughs> and, and because Max announces that she's trying out to be the new pitcher and guy says i thought you were going to be the pitcher gary and clance immediately starts yelling i had no idea about this my allegiance is to you max like oh that was so beautiful she was just yeah like needing her to know like i yeah like i had no idea i would have told you like absolutely oh best friendship but but also, fuck Gary. He should have told Max mm. before sitting down for a double date if he really cared about her, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's the thing. Like, he likes his version of Max. Yep. And not who Max really is. And if he truly did care for Max, he would have told her right away because he would understand how much uh, baseball means to her. Um, but he doesn't. And so... Gary pays the price. <laughs> um, Max uh, is upset and says, you know, this is my dream. And Gary says, this is my dream too. What was I supposed to do? Say no. Um, he says, you're not on the team. This is the men's team. Why is this the only thing that matters to you? And Max just says, because it does. Um, because it is. like, And he just, he can't understand that. 
Oh, I like I feel frustrated because like I do hear what Gary is saying where he's like, it's the men's team. It was offered to me. Like, how could I say no to an opportunity? That's my dream. Um, And I think that Gary just really can't fathom. Like he does not understand no matter how much Max obsesses about baseball. Like he just can't understand how a woman would care more about that than anything else and shifts the focus from baseball to like what you should care about, which is the fact that we could be like Clance and, Ga- and Guy. Like, we could be like them. And uh, Max shuts that shit down. She's like, we will never be like them. <laughs> yeah, and as she should, because he doesn't. The way that Guy supports Clance in her comics and in her friendship with Max and just in general is like fully, wholeheartedly for Clance as a person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not the case with Gary and Max. You know, he's trying to achieve his vision of a perfect relationship, not a relationship with Max. And that's why it's not going to work out between them. I mean, (laughs) other reasons, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's the main reason. Yeah, no, um, the homosexuality. There there are gay reasons involved. Um, And speaking of gay things involved... (laughs) Um, Max walks into her house and Edgar and Tony are arguing. Um, and Tony says that he needs to stop supporting Max. You know, he she can't live this like dream anymore because it's not gonna happen. But he wants her to have a dream. Um, and he ties Tony's feelings to Birdie, and Tony sees Birdie and Max, but he he tries to kind of not talk about the queer subject even though tony's trying to bring it bring it up and says um don't say you can't see her becoming an invert i've been through this with my sister and i'm not gonna have my daughter go through this um and so it's really interesting talking about how um max's dad kind of indulges in some of these things that read as queer mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to talk about it. And and Tony's the one that outwardly wants to talk about it. The dad saying to Tony something about the way that Tony looks at Max and how he sees that. And that's, you know, when Tony starts saying, like, she could be an invert. And my heart just breaks because Max is hearing all of this. And I don't know. I just feel that the way that Edgar brings it up, it's... It feels like it's a non-issue for him or like either he's really not concerned about that with Max or, you know, it doesn't bring up all of these feelings. Yeah, I feel like he it's interesting because he knows Tony's feelings are being projected onto Max. Mm -hmm. Her feelings about Birdie are being projected onto Max in many ways. And he's calling her out on that. But he doesn't want to actually talk about max being like birdie because i don't think he has a problem with it i think like his way of accepting it is to just like not outwardly acknowledge it like it's very of the of the time like we're just gonna roll with it talk about it like um so i i think that's an interesting dynamic though like she's wanting to talk about it here um and outwardly says that she kind of has a problem with it in a way and that's really hard for Max to hear. It, it would be hard for anybody to hear. I think your parents having that conversation about you. 
I wonder if it's also shocking for her to see that her mother knows, suspects. Because I think that Max probably thinks that she's real slick. Like, you know, real, like... Yeah. I think it's it's probably one of those things where you hope your parents don't notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we go to the Peaches locker room. And Joe is offering her arm up for kisses. She is ready to hit those balls. And this action causes Shirley to tell Carson that she thinks Joe is queer. And Joe she says is it just like, flatly, like directly. Yeah. <laughs> and and Carson's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> who have you told? Have you said that to anyone? Keep it yourself. <laughs> we'll figure it out together. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. I'll help you through this. <laughs> like, yep. Lupe tries to get Carson to get to let her pitch and Carson doesn't want her to do that yet. And Greta <laughs> jumps in to say, I hate to say this, but no one is going to choose you over Carson. Ouch, dude. Damn, girl. Like, you I know. <laughs> and Carson is trying to tell Lupe to just be patient. Jess kind of offers her a little support uh, there, which is nice. Um, but I think it's really interesting that there's a, there the tension is like starting here, mm -hmm. right? Like Lupe, Lupe's kind of taking it out on Carson as a person, even though I think Carson is doing it as a coach and looking out for Lupe. Mm -hmm. But Lupe has a hard time seeing it that way. So Lupe says she responds to Greta's comment with like, "And why is that?" And I think based upon like later on shit. I'm going to guess that what Lupe is referencing is that she thinks that it's racism. But I thought it was. I think so. Yeah. And so I, I, I just I think it's interesting because obviously racism plays a part in a lot of things. Uh, but my primary thought was that it's really because you were up Dove's ass so much, you know, in the in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. But I mean, I think it's one of those things where it just all blends together at a certain mm -hmm. point because I'm sure that there have been some microaggressions. I mean, just like oh, they sure. referenced, you know, Lupe and SD always be paired together and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And so I think both of those happening at the same time are elevating Lupe's feelings. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the team has kind of ostracized her because she was up Dove's ass on top of those microaggressions and so she's feeling very discontent among the team and feeling like things are are a little unfair against her yeah and joe pulls greta aside after greta makes that remark to lupe mm -hmm. and says you're awfully close to carson and you may be following your rules, but you're not being careful. Uh, bless Joe, because for real, <laughs> like Greta, I need you to like that, especially that move where she intervened unnecessarily. I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh no, no, no. Scared me. Yeah, you're that that wasn't it wasn't like nominating person for coach where it was like a team. Mm -hmm. The team needed someone to to stand up and say something. That was unnecessary and is drawing attention to their relationship. And then Max shows up to the baseball field at the factory to pitch. But the coach says he was just being nice to her. 
Um, and Gary is trying to just get her to leave and isn't like supporting her or standing up for her in any way. Um, but Max bets two weeks worth of her wages that she can outpitch any guy on the team. And then she she goes up to hit, to pitch and she can't make one. She tries to shake it off, talk herself up, and she she just can't do it. She can't hit her spots. She's all over the place. And I just think, like, the editing and the direction here is great. It's really elevating, like, Max's feelings, you mm-hmm. know, and her her ever-growing distress. And My she note was, walks- God, this hurts to watch. Yes. Yes. Like, she's walking off on a day. She can't believe what's happening. And you're just, like, feeling it. Like, you're elevating with her as her feelings escalate. And it's horrible (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i hate it i was so upset when i watched this for the first time like i really thought this is gonna be max's moment you know what i mean um and it wasn't i don't know if i thought she was gonna do well or do poorly regardless of whatever i initially thought i know it broke my fucking heart to see her do poorly and for all of those men's thoughts to be reinforced to be like yeah you're a girl yeah you suck blah blah you know like Oh, it broke my heart in so many ways. And like the next scene. So this like hurts me so much because she's feeling so down and dejected. And so she goes to Clance's and she wants to talk about like what's happening with um, baseball. And Clance gets upset because it's guys last night. And she's like, wow, I thought you were here to check in on me for once. Like, I thought it was you taking care of me. And it really fucking hurt me because I related to it too much is I sometimes can get so caught up in my own emotional state. And I'm so, I think, good at voicing where I'm at and what I need and seeking that from other people that I forget to check in with other people because I expect them to do the same kind of voicing. And so like, I just was so emotionally with Max where I was like feeling like emotionally dejected and then I was feeling like absolute shit for not being considerate of my friend who considerably has something so much more bigger on her plate. And like the fact that her husband is leaving to war, like I would feel like such a piece of shit. So I'm just so fucking emotional for Max throughout this because I just feel like she's getting shat on and shat on and shat on by her actions for some things. But yeah. Definitely. And I think it's it's an important moment in showing their friendship because when you're a, a professional athlete, like it is your entire life, you know, and that's what Max is trying to be. And so it is consuming her life. And there's a lot of stress involved with it. And so I think Clance gets that and understands that Max position in the world for what she's trying to do and knows how big that is. And so generally it is fine that that is what kind of is driving their life, you know, and their relationship together, but it's not always that way. And Clance has her own life too. And she really needed something for Max. And I think I feel more like, um, I relate more to Clance in this moment. Um, and so I just really thought it was well done in a way that doesn't make them bad friends. This conflict between them is, like, driven by the real world. Like, it's not something contrived. It's not – it doesn't mean that they don't love each other don't care for each other. It's that they 
had like a conflict of communication essentially which got to this point so uh it just really devastates me <laughs> this whole bit between them and then to go into this the scene with Clance and Guy after yeah. like I cry every time I watch the scene I can't help it I don't think that this makes me tear up surprisingly I don't think so maybe I did but I do know that, like, I shift from, like, my feelings with Max to my feelings for Clance. Like, as she walks back in to have that conversation with Guy. And, like, I just, I really, really, really appreciate where she tells him, like, what are you scared of? You can say it. And she's giving him permission to speak out the thing that they are both scared of, which is that he'll die. And, like, that's such a huge, realistic fear to have. Oh, yeah. And I think it's something that I just love when television shows that deal with, like, actual risk of life mm -hmm. um, talk about it and talk about that fear of someone dying and, like, getting to explore that dynamic between them. Like, it really adds weight. And I just love how they did it, where it he kind of is scared to say it where he's like i'm scared of a lot of things i'm scared mm -hmm. of losing my glasses <laughs> which seems so trivial but i get you it's my real. man <laughs> yeah um and but Gl clance knows what he's scared to say because it affects her too you know and she tells him that he can say it and he said i'm scared of dying and of losing you but Clance knows what to say here. And she says, you're not Speed Jackson because he doesn't have anything to lose. You're Lieutenant Victory because maybe that fear makes you stronger. And maybe that's what makes you have something to fight for and to come home for. And I just really think it's very sweet. And I love it so much. Fucking love Clance, man. Oh, <sighs> And then we go over to the peaches. I'm like, oh, God, like I'm not ready for this. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. <laughs> and the peaches are trying to get out of this inning. And they're wondering where um, the, the crowd is like wondering where Dove is. And there's this like heightened state. And Carson is trying to push the team to steal bases. And Lupe is saying not to. The coaches are no longer on the same page. So it's it's not working. And all of this tension escalates into an actual fight because Lupe is trying to come in and save the game. Carson is not trying to let that happen. And then Lupe and Carson start wrestling. <laughs> so it's just going great for them. So I think that I got really frustrated in this fist fight because I think that Lupe was being like really loud and... I just I really hate when loud is equated to aggression and I get that people get louder when they're aggressive and like people can get aggressively loud but like some people's loud is just loud and so I think that the way that they rush in to protect Carson um, in that fight just really really fucking upset me on that like on, on that kind of racist level you know that like oh mm -hmm. the fiery spicy Latina who's loud and isn't gonna take shit is aggressive even if little white farm girl Carson is the one who started it um, so that had that had me feeling a lot of feelings oh yeah I could I was like, on the other end, I really loved how Joe just, like, throws one of the women. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm 
like a part of me like enjoyed the fight sequence because I really liked seeing how they did it as their different characters, you yeah. know? Like with Jill Thriger, like that part was kind of entertaining. But I didn't love it. Um, I was like, okay, I don't think there needs to be a fight right now. And I I don't think I agree with Lupe's point of view as a viewer, but as like especially in this scene, I completely understand where Lupe is coming from and why she is feeling like she's not getting the same like benefit of the doubt that her teammates would get. You know, like mm-hmm. I could see why she's feeling like there might be a little racism that's affecting the decisions and oh, why she's when not they getting said a that set. They were ashamed of Lupe, but they weren't ashamed of Shaw. Like I think Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's it's very fair that she feels that way. Like the fight scene in particular, I'm really on Lupe's side with. Did Lupe like lead- first? I really I don't so. remember who I don't remember either. <laughs> I think they're both at fault. Like, the thing to me is, like, I really think they're both at fault for this interaction. Yeah. But I I completely get why Lupe is feeling targeted, I mm-hmm. guess, and held to a different standard. And so I do sympathize with her. And... Well, like you said earlier, like, the hypersensitivity. Like, you know, because there's other shit, yeah. the lack of the productivity. So, like, yeah, she's, like, acutely aware and, and reading everything. Um as whether it would be race or just like nobody likes me like she's just very hypersensitive to anything that's being said in her direction and then you add her earlier feelings of feeling like if she's not pitching she's not contributing Mm -hmm. and the team needs her and they're not willing to let her contribute like I think there's something to that you know that's also elevating her feelings and so in the um locker room bev is telling them that the team has put the whole league in jeopardy and she's especially disappointed in lupe like you were saying um and maybelle is crying after the fight which i appreciated (laughs) yeah and she says maybe dove will be back um and get us under control but they learn that he's taken a job with the orioles so he's not coming back and it's up to the team And Carson tries to talk to Greta after everything, but Greta shuts her down and says, we're home now. We can't talk. And it's a direct reaction from what Joe was saying earlier, but because Greta's also hypersensitive, Mm -hmm. she's a little bit harsh with Carson, who's upset. So we're just dealing with lots of emotions (laughs) here at the end. Yeah. Everyone's just trying to take care of their emotional state and maybe affecting others with their behaviors. (laughs) And that's the thing, like, and that's kind of what I appreciate for a lot of how the tension works in the show because everybody's 100% valid valid Mm -hmm. in their feelings. They're just conflicting with each other. Yes. and that's how life is sometimes. Like I was literally going to say, I was like, I wish that people could understand that. Like in life, like it isn't always black and white, right and wrong. Like people's conflicting feelings are both valid. And like, you know, like you can, people and emotions conflict, are Conflict is normal. Like we've gotten to a place because of how conflict heavy, like 
media has been in our face, I think we've developed a really strong aversion to conflict as a society. And so now, and it's something that has actually annoyed me for a long time in fandom, like in relationships, like people will think conflict is bad communication and it's not like working through conflict and your confliction of feelings Mm -hmm independently and in a conversation with someone it's not bad communication (laughs) like that is actually good communication um so like conflict is normal and dealing with conflicting feelings among people that you love is normal and so i really like that about this show for sure and as carson is trying to leave from talking to greta she runs into max (laughs) And just to heighten everything, Max decides to say, you asked me to forget what I saw, but it's still fresh in my mind. So I need you to do something for me. And like, damn, Max. Like, <laughs> I mean, she came in very you know, direct. <laughs> like she needed something from Carson. And so she did not pull any punches. She mm-hmm. just went for it. And it's one of those things where it's like, I was trying to assess. I was like, Max never intended to do anything about this. She yeah. just knew she would get what she wanted. Yeah. But, like, did she need to go that far with Carson? I don't know. <laughs> I think there's just a lot happening for Max emotionally. And she was just like, I will get what I need. <laughs> I'm just going to ensure it from the get-go. No playing nice. Let's just get right to it. Um, and so Carson says, fine, what do you need? And Max says, not here, and walks off with Carson following. And we've hit the end of the episode. We're converging our two storylines finally in the show and developing the relationship with our two protagonists in the next episode. So that's exciting. So I hope you enjoyed talking about this episode with us. You can keep the conversation going on our Twitter at this lesbian shit, on our Instagram at this lesbian ship. On Patreon at This Lesbian Ship, please subscribe to us, rate, review, download our episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. So, actually not goodbye. Um, Katie and I recorded this earlier in the week um I guess last week at this point um and we well I had just started watching Warrior Nun and did not realize how obsessed I was going to be Katie had binge watched it already and really liked it and then we saw how big of a demand there is for it how interested people are in it and the fact that it just released we're hoping for a season three. It just kind of makes more sense for us to shift gears. So we will be putting a pause in our A League of Their Own episodes to focus on Warrior None, but we are not giving up on A League of Their Own. We will come back to wrap up the rest of the season. Hopefully when we do that, maybe we'll have a season two announcement. Uh, but right now, in order to best take into account uh, the availability of our time, what is current, and in my opinion, what we can be proactive in working on for a renewal is Warrior Nun. So I hope that if you like that show or even if you don't, you check out one of those episodes and join us when we get back to A League of Their Own. So goodbye now for real. Bye. This lesbianship is intense is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.